Hello and welcome to the Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Malika, Clacy, and Will, and today we'll be discussing Matt Reeves' The Batman. Boom, 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 boom. Here is your official spoiler warning. If you want to be surprised by the plot of the Batman, walk away now and come back when you've watched it. The Riddler is Catwoman. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Okay. And as always, here's a quick recap of the film by Letterboxd. In his second year of fighting crime, Batman uncovers corruption in Gotham City that connects to his own family while facing a serial killer known as the Riddler. That is one runoff sentence. That was all. That's how Letterbox does it. Always. <laughs> That's the how they roll. <laughs> one comma in that whole sentence. All I'm saying. Wow. Anyway, first impressions. What did you think, guys? Uh, guys, I really like this movie. Sorry. Nobody <laughs> is surprised by that if they knew you. <laughs> Nobody. What are you trying to say, Willis? <laughs> I'm trying to say if if I am Willis, even though. Will's named Will. Um, I'm trying to say that you love Robert Pattinson. And so you will watch anything he's in and love it is what I'm trying to say. I mean, first of all, that's false and true. (laughs) (laughs) I do love him. I won't necessarily watch everything that he's been in because I watch Remember Me and that movie is fucking terrible. (laughs) It is terrible. Dear God. (laughs) Any movie that has a 9-11 twist Ooh. Oh, two words that should Ooh. not go together. Oh, wait. Spoiler for Remember Me. Yeah, spoiler for like a Remember ten-year-old me, movie. That's, you don't, you don't awful. need to see a nine-eleven twist. It. Yikes! It's yeah, not. Great. I know. Nine-eleven right? was enough of a twist in its own right. I don't think it needed to be a part of another twist. Like, yeah, well, no. envision like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson young man coming of age story, and then there's a nine-eleven twist at the end. Ugh. God. And there's like romance and then all of a sudden, ah, twist. There's anyway. like cute little, yeah, we're, we digress. <laughs> anyway, to get us back to the Batman, uh, what did you think, Well, Yeah, I think it's one of the better movies that we've done on the pod. Uh, one of the ones I liked the most. I don't know if it's my favorite we've done, but I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was great. I've seen a lot of superlatives tossed around with this movie. I've even seen some people say it's better than The Dark Knight. <gasps> if we want, we can maybe get into that later. I don't think that's true. That being said, as far as Batman movies, it's it's up there. It's one of the best, I think. But the best? Hmm, I wouldn't go that far. And Clay, I know I cut you off earlier. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I really like this movie. I definitely wouldn't say it's better than The Dark Knight. That seems insane, honestly. <laughs> it seems um, insane. It seems, it seems real strange. Uh, but I will agree with Will that, to me, outside of The Dark Knight, this might be my second favorite Batman movie. Like, live action, obviously. We're, <laughs> we're not including animated, like, Lego Batman, Night of the Phantasm. There's others. Under favorite. the Red yeah. Hood. <laughs> we'll keep it to live yeah. action. Yeah. Yeah, and what about you, Malika? So I actually really did like this movie. I think you guys liked it a little bit more than me. There were a few things that stood out to me that kept it from being a really great movie. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was really good. Let's say it's really good. I enjoyed it. I did think it was a tad too long. I remember maybe two thirds in being like, oh, there's still a lot of plot to be had here. Like, wow. And thinking it could have been a little tighter, especially since there were places where I wanted more, whether it was um, character development or, you know, explaining a plot a little clearer. I felt like there were places where I could have spent more time there and then other places where it could have been tighter. So to me, it was just a a pretty good movie, let's say. I think... The things it does well, it does really, really, really well. It sets yeah, such such a clear picture of the world of Gotham. Like, that's not a hot take. That's something I think a lot of people have been saying. That's like you really mm-hmm. feel the presence of that city and what it, the heart of that city is. But I think that for me, a lot of the kind of in between what makes a movie really great, the themes that carry it forward and that you can really not necessarily relate to but 
I don't know, understand and follow with. the yeah. heart yeah, of the yeah. movie. And like, obviously this movie doesn't have a lot of heart, so to say. It's a very bleak, dark, grim view mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. world. But just kind of the heart of the movie, what carries it, I didn't really feel that as much as you do in some of the other Batman movies. And some of my favorite movies of all time, like that's what I really look for in a movie. And I have to say that taking on something like the Batman, anytime you take on such an iconic piece of IP, it is such an uphill battle and expectations are always so, so high. Or actually in my case, my expectations are really, really low. Cause I was like, how are you going to get anywhere near the Nolan Batmans, which are, you know, as we've discussed, some of the bat- better Batman adaptations. And yet I was pleasantly surprised how well this movie did certain things. Like you said, what it does well, it knocks out of the park. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I think kind of speaking to like the weight of expectations, uh, it, we are in such a weird spot when it comes to IP and definitely characters like Batman in particular, where I feel like there are just factions of fans of, you know, maybe the casual movie goer who's like, yeah, another Batman, okay, like, why are we doing this? But then I think there was Matt Reeves, the director, I think he understood the assignment, as the internet like would like to say, and he was appealing to a certain kind of subsect of fans that are hardcore Batman fans and hardcore like comic book fans. A lot of the influences that he would talk about and even the cast members and in interviews leading up to the movie were clearly things derived from not just like any one comic book, but a rich history mm-hmm. of like the past 30 or 40 years of like a more mature, I guess, Batman like type of storytelling. So I think there were some people who were kind of going in like not that excited because they're like, here's another Batman movie. Then there's other people going in being like, finally, here's a more comic books accurate or comic books kind of inspired story. Whereas as great as the Nolan films are, he is very removed from the actual like comic book heart, I think, of what can be driving a Batman story. Like there are so many like signs in this movie that I was like, as somebody who used to really be into comic books and like the Bat family in particular, I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me of Long Halloween. Like this reminds me, like the fact that the movie opens on Halloween and there's a serial killer. There's definitely, I think, varying expectations depending on kind of how you're coming to this movie. And what's, I think, ultimately a triumph is that despite the wide spectrum of what people would have wanted going in, it's been received pretty well. Like the movie's doing really well financially, like the audience scores, mm-hmm. as much as you put stock in those types of things on like Rotten Tomatoes, is really high. The critical score is really high. So yeah, I definitely feel like the heights that it that it reaches makes up for maybe some of the pitfalls that we're kind of like talking about. We should get into those. Yeah, and same train of thought, what... This movie really did is I think it carved its own lane in, you know, the greater Batman pantheon of its own character, its own take on the character. And while maintaining true to who Batman has always been and something that a lot of the other Batman movies have maybe neglected, you know, Batman is known as the world's greatest detective, first and Mm -hmm. foremost, uh, in the comics and in kind of the classical sense of who Batman is. And this was more than anything else, more than a superhero movie. It was a detective noir yes, thriller. Definitely. Um, yeah. And, you know, he was a detective in this. He wasn't doing a lot of, there were obviously, you know, car chase scenes and fight scenes, but right. most of the movie was spent with Batman doing detective work, uh, which was really a really cool kind of change from what we've seen from the last few Batman movies. Agreed. And as a hot take coming in real early with these, this is a better showcase of detective work than anything we saw in The Little Things. The other Warner Brothers movie we saw a year yes. ago that was just... Oh, that trash movie? Just take some notes. That's all I got to say about that. It's like that movie was trying to be Seven, and yet this felt more like Seven than that. Than the yes, Little it said. definitely did. I, I definitely got Seven vibes from this movie, too. Just something about the... Yeah, like the way they entered the, the crime scenes and, like, mm-hmm. the constant rain. Like, literally, that was actually a staple of Seven. Like, they filmed it so that it was almost always raining. And this whole movie takes place over a week, similar to Seven, and it's almost always raining. So, like, they're clear yeah. influences that, you know, Matt Reeves is pulling from. And some of the influence was bordering on homage to Seven. Like the whole relationship between the Riddler and kind of the mysterious serial killer and the detective who's stringing them along. The cat and mouse game of it. Yeah. Yeah. And when we go to the Riddler's apartment at the end and we see all of his notebooks Mm -hmm. with all his little notes. I mean, that was like straight out of, yeah, that is straight out of seven. So yeah, I, I really saw the influence there as well. 
the last thing I want to say before we get into like the cast and the performance, etc., is that the power of the Batman itself, the IP, it's incredible because there are very few comic book characters that have been rebooted so many times and still there are different ways to take to have cool takes on them, right? We're talking about this detective piece of it that has not been picked apart before in other versions of Batman. So um, I do love that about the Batman. And again, I'm one of those people in that camp, Clay, where you know, you're like, oh, another Batman? Like, I did not ask for this. I did not need this in my life. But did I go? Was I there opening weekend? And I did I enjoy it? Yes. You know, and the next couple years, I'm sure there'll be another Batman or maybe this trilogy will continue and I will be there in my favorite seat in my IMAX theater also. So I'm here for the ride for sure. That being said, let's talk about the Batman himself, Robert Pattinson. Uh, we also have Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. We have Paul Dano as the Riddler, Colin Farrell, as the Penguin, um, I have to put in a note here that I had no idea, none at all, that this was Colin Farrell until I was sitting there waiting for the end credits and I was like, holy shit, that is Colin Farrell. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I was shocked. I saw an interview with Colin Farrell where he was telling a story about the first day he was shooting. He went down, sat down. It was all prosthetics. It wasn't CGI. Mm -hmm. So he sat down in the makeup chair and they put all the prosthetics on. And he was walking around set and he walked by someone, I think it was Andy Circus, and he was like, hey, Andy, how's it going? And then Andy just kind of looked at him and then walked over to someone security on set and was like, what's this guy doing? Who is this guy? Was it? And then he came over. He's like, oh, my God, is that Colin? Like, what? <laughs> they didn't even recognize him on set. So it's pretty cool. That's funny. That's amazing. Um, then we have Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, Andy Circus. Uh, as Alfred Pennyworth and John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. What do you guys think of the cast? That's such a stacked cast. Like, holy crap. It is. Like, it obviously, really is. yeah, like, obviously, like the, the two big leads are, you know, uh, Rob Patson and Zoe Kravitz. But like Colin Farrell is that man is having a, a moment. Like, can <laughs> really we also is. can we also talk about the fact that like when this movie came out um, as of time of recording, it was last Friday. His other new movie after Yang also came out. So like, can you get you a man that can do both of like, I'm going to be. <laughs> in this big IP blockbuster doing the whole kind of big performance thing. And then I'm going to be in this very subtle indie, just beautiful psychological movie. Like he could do everything. I love that man so much. Like I know I'm our <laughs> Pat stand, but Colin Farrell always has a place in my heart. Something I thought was amazing about beyond just his prosthetics, but his accent I thought was really, really good, mm -hmm. especially considering he's like an Irish lad, you know, I thought he was amazing. <laughs> He was amazing, and we'll get into more on him later, but I wanted to add that when I was looking at this cast, I was like, wow, look at all these like A-list actors. I was like, who the hell is this guy that they've cast for the Penguin? Literally, I was like, who is this random dude? And that's why, like, watching the credits roll, my, my brain exploded. I was like, oh my God. Because even Because I remember having that moment where, like, couldn't they have cast a star for this role? Like, bring back Danny DeVito, you know, something. And then, the, sure enough, under all those prosthetics was Colin Farrell. So, really mind-blown. Really mind-blowing. Um, other than that, so I think Robert Pattinson was a really interesting choice for the Batman. I liked him a lot when he had the Batman suit on. I thought it worked really well. I was less enamored by him. I know, Clay... Not to upset you, but I was less enamored by him when he was just Bruce Wayne because they didn't let Bruce Wayne shine. He was sort of just like sulking in the shadows. There are some, there are a little bit of moments here and there where he shows up and he gets to be Bruce Wayne when he confronts Carmine Falcone or when he's at the funeral. But I wanted a little bit more of what makes Bruce Wayne human. And because we were lacking that, every time it was just Bruce on screen, I was like, eh, man, man, you know? Listen, as much as I love our Pats, I don't disagree with you. In my mind, this movie is like 90% Batman, 10% Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it definitely came across as like an intentional choice. It'll be interesting to see because we're obviously getting a sequel. This movie's done really well. And Matt Reeves clearly has like a vision of, you know, what he wants yeah. to do with his character. It will be interesting to see him develop that part of the role, that duality a little bit more. Agreed. Yeah. And... On the note of him as Bruce Wayne, obviously it was a choice 
even in his conversation with the Riddler at the end, he says, I see you for who you are. This, you aren't wearing a mask now. The other you is the one who's wearing the mask. This is the mm-hmm. real you. And so that kind of dynamic of not even feeling the need to put on a mask when he's Bruce Wayne because he's so in deep with who he is as Batman. That being said, it's a funny parallel. Christian Bale obviously got a lot of shit for the voice he used uh, in the (laughs) Dark Knight series. But I thought Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, not only was it not exciting or there wasn't a lot to it, I didn't think it was very good. He was doing the same kind of whisper voice that he was doing as Batman. And I was kind of like, can you like speak up or speak faster? Like I... I'm kind of not even understanding what you're saying. He was very like talking like this and slow. I'm like it works for Batman. It doesn't work just like as Bruce Wayne talking to people, not on a character level, just on a performance level. It didn't work for me. Yeah, just like understanding him and having yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I could totally understand. I think in general the dialogue, maybe this is just my perception. The dialogue seemed sometimes a little bit low in the overall like mix of the movie. Mm. So I wonder if maybe that's something if you were to listen at home, once this is, be- this is on HBO Max, like if it'll be come across a little bit better. But yeah, I definitely get what you're saying there, Will. Well, and even at times during their narration, which I really like the narration part. I'm not always mm-hmm. a huge fan of narration. Same, same. I'm always nervous Agreed. whenever there's Agreed. too much voice. But, but it, it made really sense f- in that it was him journaling. To be yes. Yeah. yeah. And it really fit like the detective noir yes, feel yes. of the Agreed. movie. Agreed. So I thought the narration worked, but even at times during the narration, I was like, do something more with your voice to like keep me <laughs> listening. I don't know. It was just at times a slog Enunciate. to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did read an article that originally he had more of a Christian Bale voice and then they were like, no, 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 you have to like make it your own. So I think the voice was something that they grappled with. So it's possible that at certain points they like worked with him on and other points it's like an older shot. So I think that was something that was a little inconsistent throughout the movie. It didn't bother me overall. For the most part, it was was more like his lack of any facial expressions when he was Bruce Wayne was more jarring to me than the voice. Yeah, if anything, it actually seemed like he was more emotive as Batman. And you can even tell in that if you look at the size and the shape of his cowl, if you compare it to other live-action Batmans, you actually see a lot more of his face than you typically do. Like, usually the nose is completely covered. Mm -hmm. You're only seeing the top part of of the lip, if that. So you could see a lot more of his cheeks and his face and his nose. You can get some of his expressions as Batman. And you can see, especially in the moments when he's like one-on-one with Selena Kyle or one-on-one with the Riddler at the end, there's so much playing out on his face. And it's actually kind of ironic that you get more of that in the suit when he's the most covered versus when he's out in the world as Bruce Wayne. I honestly loved, 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 loved how you could see the emotion in his eyes. when, Like when he saw the little boy, there's a couple different um, moments there. There are a couple of different moments where you see, like, it looks like he's about to tear up. And I have no idea if that's CGI or that's just Robert Pattinson, like, acting his ass off. But, like, those moments, to your point, were so much more powerful, even though most of his face was covered, than what we were getting when he's sitting next to Alfred's bed at the hospital. We were like, oh, they were just, like, dead. He was yeah. just a zombie sitting there. It almost it gives a lot of credence, though, to, like, Riddler's theory at the end of, like, you're more yeah. yourself as Batman than you are as Bruce, right? Like, he is putting on, like, an emotional mask at the very least every time he's going out as Bruce. Oh, I don't even think that's a question. Yeah, not at all. I mean, he talks about in the beginning in his narration. He's like, I'm yeah. up at night. When I'm yeah. awake during the day, I don't even know who I am. I don't know exactly what he says, but something along those lines of he's like, right, right. who I am is the one who's up at night. Like, I'm not this guy during the day. Um, and I think we should mention our girl, Zoe Kravitz, Lena Kyle. I loved her. I thought she was beautiful and wonderful. My issues were never with her or her performance. I had larger issues with the Selena Kyle character. And there's just some inconsistencies with her and her motivations. I don't know. I She felt a little bit all over the place to me. Did you guys disagree? I agree. And I agree. I thought... Zoe Kravitz is, was amazing and she's a great actress and I saw Kimmy this weekend it's on HBO Max and just watching those two back to back it was like wow she's so talented just the difference in the performances but I was talking with a friend about 
the three hour runtime and something I noted was I thought it was long, but it was weird because I thought they could have like given it more, more room to breathe, yeah. like more room <laughs> yeah. to breathe same, in the movie because it was like plot, 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 plot the whole time. And then I was like, I don't know what they would cut. My friend was like, did Catwoman need to be in this movie? Like, was she that me. important to the plot? I mean, the one thing you can say she contributes is that Bruce does not get the intel that he needs to piece together the mysteries that the Riddler's leaving without her putting on like the contact lens and getting some insights and identifying the exact people who are being targeted by the Riddler. Like it just helped accelerate him figuring out who is going to be targeted. But like, yeah, I would say that her story is very much in parallel or secondary to the main story, which is Batman trying to figure out what's going on with the Riddler and to prevent more crime from happening. I still would like to have her in the movie, even if let's say that her story were different or reduced, because I think she's a really great foil. Like Catwoman in general is a really great foil for Batman. And it's really important, I think, to introduce a character like that earlier. Because I feel like even in the Nolan films, as good as those are, there's so little connection outside of Batman and Alfred that Bruce has until the Dark Knight. And at which point he's already several years into being, all right, well, it's giving me a look. <laughs> Hard disagree. I think that's one of the big differences in what, to me, gives so much more emotion to the Dark Knight, the Nolan Batman verse compared to this one is Rachel Dawes. Like Rachel See, Rachel does not work for me in the Dark Knight. That I, is my hot take. I actually think Rachel in the Dark Knight is not superfluous, but I think they don't land what they're trying to go for. That's actually part of the reason why I thought this movie excelled in certain ways the Dark Knight didn't because I don't the Rachel stuff does not work for me at all in Dark Knight, but that's But that's that <laughs> no, but that's important because that's the entire point of the Dark Knight is about Batman is trying to find a way where he is no longer needed in Gotham. He is no longer needed to be the Dark Knight right. who solves the problem in the shadows by punching people. His whole character is about finding that way where Gotham can be self-sustaining by itself. And that's part of the motivation. And the other motivation is for him to get back to reality, get back to Rachel. He's his major motivation that he can quit being the Batman because Rachel won't be with him as long as he's the Batman. So in order for him to be with Rachel, he has to stop being the Batman and he has to help Gotham heal itself. Like he can't be the mm -hmm. one who's just punching people the whole time. And so that's like his philosophy that's driving the movie. This movie, like, and it does, and I'm not even talking about like the yeah, I do want to get like actually back on track to like the, the narrative thread to talking about this movie. But, like, I agree with you logically. I just don't think it works in execution in the Dark Knight. Like I don't, by the chemistry between Katie Holmes and Christian Bale. I don't think the plot choices that get him to the point where he has to decide between her and saving the city make any narrative sense. Like that's what I meant. Like not that it doesn't make sense. I just don't think it lands. No, for but me. I that's all. bring, I'm bringing it back to the Batman. Like I agree. I don't think the character of Rachel Dawes as a character herself is great in the Batman world, but she's really great as, you know, and this is a whole other thing about women just existing in films to be like the motivation, you know, the girl, the wife in the freezer. That's whatever. also why I don't like it. Yeah. That's also why I don't but, like it. But yeah. But like <laughs> she works in that sense in that she does provide that motivation, that heart of the story for the Batman. She is his motivation. And that's what I felt this movie was missing the whole time is like, why is Bruce Wayne the Batman? He's vengeance. We get that. But like, why does he feel this is the way he needs to save the city? Like, why is he so invested in this crime? Like, there's just nothing that's that real motivation driving force behind his character, that philosophy that propels him in solving the crimes. Like, it was just kind of missing from this. We're just seeing him as a detective because... He's kind of obsessed with being a detective. Like, that's his motivation in this movie. I mean, I would argue the exact opposite. Like, the first scenes of this movie are not actually Batman. It's of us observing the mayor and his family and then the mayor being murdered. There's a clear parallel between the mayor's son and Bruce. Basically, you can actually take the murder of the mayor and the son's like psychological kind of impact of what that means for him as just a proxy for what Bruce went through. So in a way, you do actually see his origin story of like what his motivation would be, but you're seeing it a different character and you're seeing it play out in front of Bruce, which I actually find to be more powerful because it makes sense why at the end of the movie, 
he understands that like this kid could end up like another me. Like this, this whole journey that I've been on is not leading anywhere positive. So let me try something new. So like, I actually think it was just a very abstracted take on understanding like why Bruce Wayne made the choices that he did to become Batman. We're not seeing a flashback. We're not seeing him explain it to somebody. We're just seeing it play out as somebody else's potential journey. And I think it's like, hey, I need to save this kid because I need to be something better. What I received when my parents were killed. I agree with that. I just think we don't see that. We don't feel it enough throughout the movie. It's it's definitely his motivation, and I agree with everything you're saying, that it's a proxy for what he went through and his mm. origin, and it motivates him. And preventing that world from being the world for everyone else in Gotham is his motivation. But you don't see that displayed, shown throughout the movie, that this is what every time is pushing him forward. Every time he's like questioning himself, is this the right thing? When he's struggling with finding the Riddler, finding those breadcrumbs along the way to show that this is the reason why I have to do this. This is why I have to be the Batman. This is why it can't be done another way. I don't know. I think that's what like makes Batman Batman to me is he always has that constant reminder of why he is the Batman, why he has to do this because you know, everyone says a bunch of different reasons. Why doesn't he use his billion dollars to just like fix all the problems? This like cold takes, but what in my mind makes Batman so compelling as a story is he always has those reminders all the time. This is why you are the Batman. And that's why he always is the Batman. Yeah. And the thing is, we don't necessarily need to see the full origin story of this Batman. Like, I don't need to see his parents get murdered. I don't need to see any of that. But what I would have liked to see, or at least understood, if we can't see it, is what happened a year ago that made him realize he had to become the Batman or what started this journey for him? Because it wasn't right when his parents died. Something happened along the way. What was that moment where he's like, this is the only way I can continue my family's legacy or this is the only way I can solve whatever I'm trying to solve. And so that piece is what I was missing. And I was also missing that with Selena because we know a little bit of her backstory, right? We know her mother worked at this club and her father was this mob boss and she felt neglected and she feels like she's owed all this money. But where did she learn to be such a nimble cat burglar? What is she using that skill for up until the moment she ends up being useful to the Batman? What, she's a cat you know, burglar. She steals this passport. She's a cat burglar. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I but that like, pretty clear. <laughs> why is she living in like a shitty apartment then? Like where, where are all the things that she's stolen? Why isn't she living it up if I she's mean, so good at what she does? It's kind of so with Anne Hathaway, she's kind of a cat burglar. She still lives in a crappy apartment. Like, I mean, I don't want to com- constantly compare everything to The Dark Knight, but I'm talking about in this movie, I felt like it was lacking. I just didn't feel as emotionally connected to her as a character because I felt like there she was very one note to me. I wanted more out of the Selena Kyle character. Also, I know that it's part of her original backstory. Uh, Clay, you were mentioning that it's part of the comic. I didn't really need her connection to Carmine Falcone. Her relationship to that missing girl, Annika, was enough of a driving force for me that she'd want to be involved. Where She kept calling her baby. Was she, were they romantically involved? Was it just her friend? I would have loved to understand that relationship more. And had that been the driving force, then add in this additional relationship. Because even when she confronts Falcone at the end, she said, this is for my mother. Up until then, she was only caring about Annika and like how what happened to her friend. So all of a sudden it switched on me. And I was like, wait, this whole time you've been seeking revenge for your mother, not for your friend. And it just made her character kind of wishy-washy to me. I think there's a, is an actual reason. It, again, it's not explicit, but up until that point, her mother was murdered and she mentions that she was strangled. She does not know that Falcone did it, but after she realizes Annika was killed by him, she puts the pieces together that he killed her mother. So the reason that she says this is for my mother is because she realizes that he also killed her mom. It's like she didn't know that. But then he like admits it later. I wish he admitted it first. It just was like the order of things was really weird. I, and just I like, guess like, eh, I don't, I didn't mind that because I'm fine with the movie doing a little bit less telling and more showing. Like to me, like, I guess I, I, I can see that it was kind of a blink and you miss it, but like it was pieced together in me in that 
she knows her mother was murdered. We establish that she was strangled. We find out that Annika was murdered and was also strangled. And then that means that Selena's like, this bastard killed my dad. Like that part was fine for me. And it's like, it makes sense that she's going to be motivated by more than one thing. Like she's motivated by the friend that she just lost, but she's also motivated by the very fresh wound of finding out that her father killed her mother. Like I didn't have as much of a problem with that. I think. Yeah. But like strangling is not like the most unique thing. Like, oh, every strangled no. person in the city is no, my but father. No, but like, strangling yeah. is a very strangling is a yeah. very intimate very way personal, to kill somebody yeah. and like the fact that she Fine. knows her mother was strangled like what's the likelihood that he didn't do it given what she knows about him like i think that's kind of what you're supposed to infer yeah i i get that i just don't know i didn't have the emotional punch that i wanted out of that moment well and i kind of agree with her character in general i feel like it was kind of underdeveloped i didn't dislike her character i like I said, I thought Zoe Kravitz did a great job, but it, I just had a lot of questions about her character and like what her motivations were. And even when her and the Batman were like romantic, I didn't get that at all before. I didn't get it like either. When the first mm-hmm. time she was like going in for the kiss, I was like, what? You guys have just been like talking about catching the bad guys up to this point. Like yeah. there hasn't been. But so here's the thing on that. I agree with you that there was a lacking of chemistry. On the other hand, she works in a club where like her, her sexuality is something that's like part of her job, right? So if she had been using her sexuality as a weapon, then that I would have bought more than her actually having romantic feelings for this guy that she does not know very well and barely trusts to like, and then I don't know, it just felt very forced. Like, oh, there has to be this romance between Catwoman and Batman. I kind of agree. I I do and I don't agree. Like, I personally do think they had chemistry. I don't think they needed the romance in the story, but I don't have a problem with them kind of developing a bond because you can argue that because of selena's like life and her history and the fact that she's constantly around men that are sexualizing her and objectifying her Mm -hmm. that here's someone who's actually like who whether or not it's for his own gain or whatever he's actually like talking her seeing her as a person and not as this piece of meat so like you can almost argue that like this is the most extended period of time that she spends with a man that's not trying to get in her pants so like it's not that strange to me that she's like well what's this guy's deal and, you know, everyone loves a weird, angsty bad boy. I mean, look at me, you know, Rob Patterson. You know, the bond I loved. I did really <laughs> love the bond because there there are a lot of parallels to their story and a lot of their motivations are lined up. That was, I had no problem with. It was like the forcing that romance, taking it a little bit further. You know, it's like how every rock movie has like him making out with some chick. We're like, couldn't they have just been friends? It kind of felt like that. We're like, why does it have to be a romance? Can it just be... like a solid bond without the sexual aspect i'm with you there i'm a fan of let's just show more like relationships between cis men and cis women where they don't have to be fucking it's fine yeah they can be have they can have a meaningful relationship and there's no sex they can just respect each other it's almost a fine decision to me and just as a viewer in the movie it's almost more enticing more interesting to watch that relationship when it's more of a will they won't they are they interested you can't really tell it seems like they are but neither of them are acting on it that cat and mouse game so to speak uh of discovering or that like relationship in Chi, right like they balance that so yes, well with yes. Chi. those two had such amazing chemistry but they didn't force it like maybe they will in future movies and we'll see them make out and it'll be great but like they'll have earned it whenever that time comes see that's actually the difference though i don't i would never want them to be romantic in shang chi i think there's a very big distinction between friendship chemistry and romantic chemistry and i would argue that in this movie we definitely didn't need to have the romance but in shang chi adding it would actually I be don't know if it will, but I'm just yeah. saying that no matter what, that relationship is now established. Like they had such great chemistry, regardless of whether romance or friendship, that like whether something develops later, I will deal with that later. But in the moment, it worked for me. I was like, this is amazing. And so if they had just taken a page from that book and just made them like really solid in their bond. It would have like used those moments instead of the slow, awkward kiss to like do some development in their character and their friendship. That would have gone so much further for me. Yeah, that's so. It's almost like there wasn't enough conflict between the two of them. There was a little conflict mm-hmm. at the beginning, but it was very minor, and they seemed to move past it quickly. And then right. the relationship, it, you know, they're very different characters. They come from very different backgrounds, and they're trying to achieve very different things. Catwoman says, I'm a cat burglar. Like, I'm here for a buck. Right. That's my motivation to, you know, find out what happened to my friend and then make a buck. Obviously, that changes throughout the movie, but they're very different 
when they first meet each other. And there's not enough of that like tension of the two of them trying to work it out between them, eventually massaging it to a point where they have an understanding of each other. It's just kind of like they move from they meet each other, then they're working together, then they're kissing all of a sudden. I don't know. It was kind of <laughs> weird for me. And then she's leaving and inviting him to come along. I was like, you don't even, you've never seen this dude's face. You want to (laughs) invite him upstate? Come on. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Moving on. um, Lastly, we must talk about the villain of the movie, the Riddler. I am not a Paul Dano fan. So I was more excited when I did not know it was him. And I was like, who is the villain? He's so, he was so creepy. So, so creepy. But I find him creepy even without the mask on. So it was not an issue for me. But I I don't know. What did you guys think of Paul? All right, listeners, you can't see our reactions, but Will and I literally just had the same reaction. We're like, what is happening? There's no way. <laughs> like, Paul Dano, to me, is like, he's like the prototypical like 21st century movie star like he's in so many things he's not really a leading man but he gets his ass kicked in every movie that he's in and i love him the more for it like i love that man he's such a little creeper it gives me uh jesse plemons vibes like they're Mm. both i like jesse plemons they're both like these weirdos are always typecast as outcast weirdos but Mm -hmm. something about that like i enjoy it so much i love paul dano like little miss sunshine when he's the weird brother that doesn't talk the whole movie uh there will be blood when he's just like the absolute fucking worst (laughs) like uh swiss Swiss army man where he's just like an insane human being God, I love, oh my gosh. love Paul Dano. I don't know. Every time I see Paul Dano, I was like, isn't there somebody else who could have done this better is my oh, reaction. No. So I don't know. I have this weird anti-Paul Dano gut feeling. What he's being I don't know asked to do, from. he does well. He is being asked to be this little creep. Well, and he creates. I mean, he does do creep really well. But I actually really liked the Riddler when you couldn't see his face. And I didn't want them to reveal him just sitting there at the diner. I don't know. I didn't love that. I also didn't love how the Riddler always seemed to be like one step ahead, right? Like he was super smart. He figured everything out. But then maybe I just misunderstood this. But at the end, it seemed like he knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. But then when Batman came to visit him, he's he does not know that. And it was really off-putting to me. I was like, oh, this is a weird twist. Why did I make that choice? So kind of going back to what we talked about before of like the similarities to Seven, mm-hmm. I see a lot of parallels here. So obviously... The Riddler had this whole master plan in place. We're led to assume that he's been thinking about this for years. So he gets caught on purpose. And obviously he wants to be confronted. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to be confronted with the Batman specifically because he thinks in his mind that they're like these kindred spirits. And kind of going back to our earlier point about how there's very little duality between Bruce Wayne and Batman. If anything, you get that with the Riddler. Like he is a completely different person under the mask, if you will, mm-hmm. than what he kind of presents in his right. regular he form. He needs that mask to yeah. like come into himself. Yes. Exactly. So I thought that was really interesting that like the character that we do see kind of handling that duality of two sides of their personality and having a motivation to do this like very specific goal that he sees Batman as like this kindred spirit, but like he also kind of, he misses a lot of details. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. So he doesn't piece together everything i actually kind of like that i hate when like in these types of movies serial killers like get everything perfectly right and they don't make any mistakes if you go back to the seven analogy the reason he gets caught is because he uses a library card so there are like these little things that like it's yes he can be really smart and really focused but he's not infallible and i enjoy the fact that he never put together the batman is bruce wayne thing because if you kind of go back to selena kyle she almost got there like she's like i don't know who you are but i know you grew up really rich to yeah, Batman. She gets so close. I find that interesting that like she is a much better judge of character, at least in that moment, it, it's conveyed that way than the Riddler is. And it kind of just goes to show you like they're just two different types of characters. So we're getting like such interesting foils to Batman in that moment. So I didn't mind it as much, but yeah, it kind of feels like a weird decision considering how much he's uncovered. And it's a bit of a throwaway line, but they do mention that he's a forensic accountant. So the reason he's even able to figure all this out is because forensic accountant's job is to investigate the books. So he's able to go through this because probably no one else is even looking. Like, it is his job. So, again, I think this goes back to what you're saying, Malika, about 
maybe letting some other some scenes develop, letting some things kind of play out a little bit more to make it clearer to the audience. But like, I didn't have as much of a problem with like him missing out on this one very important detail because I love the confrontation that it presents of Batman thinking that he's caught in that moment. And then having that Realizing. be the, yeah, and then having that be the catalyst to for him to acknowledge it. Like my existence has brought about people who want this. Like it has encouraged people mm. like this to go to such extremes. What am I contributing to the landscape of Gotham that this is what is my kind of legacy right now? So I, I liked it for that part. Okay, I, I now that you've explained it that way, I get it. Because like to me, when they you, you see the wall in his apartment, he, like the Bruce Wayne picture next to it, I also thought like, oh, he's caught, and maybe you know, obviously Batman did too. It is a red herring because it's supposed to you know this like oh oh just kidding, he doesn't know. But it felt like a weird setup considering this is already so jam packed with so much plot. It felt like like oh this one other thing to like they were like we got to close up that moment. let loose end. Oh yeah, he yeah doesn't, he doesn't exactly. Know. <laughs> so I was like. Ugh. But in this moment, I like now that we're talking about it, it would have been a crazy, crazy choice. But it would have been so great if Batman like broke the fourth wall and was like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, or something. That like, would be like a been, nod to Adam West yeah. Batman. <laughs> right, right. I feel like th- that is a, a Batman take Holy that I would love Batman. to see in the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give us like that house of cards, like breaking the fourth wall experience, like while he's doing batshit things. Um, I would, I would love that. I would love it too. Future filmmakers, please take note. I think the Riddler was the best part of this movie. Paul Dano, scary, even, scary even as we were talking about with Paul Dano, how you hate his character so much. I just think that's such a credit to him as an actor that mm-hmm. all of his characters just there's such immense emotion attached to each. Yeah, of them. They, that's true. He does elicit a lot of emotion from every me. single time. <laughs> every time he's on no screen. matter how you feel, whether it's like yeah. disgusted or like you hate this person, like fucking in yeah. there will be blood. He's just the worst. He's so good he is, at yeah. bringing out yeah. that emotion of the audience to the point about the end where he has all of the hints, but he doesn't just, I think it's a credit to the Riddler as a character that mm-hmm. he's so close. Like he is so, so close so, to so the close. answer. He has it. He has all of the pieces figured out. He just can't put his thumb on that very last puzzle piece to push it in and see the whole picture that Bruce Wayne is Batman. But yeah, and there's a certain irony to that too, because then he says to Batman, like, oh, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Exactly. Because he thought Batman figured out his plan before he did about the flood. So right. there's like yeah. a dramatic irony there of like they're both For sure. they're both being confronted they're with both like missing something major. Yeah, like my misunderstanding has led me down this path that this is not where I intended to be. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought yeah. was really cool. And this is my one thing I would have changed, and it's not really changed, but added. I guess it was a change because you'd have to take away more plot to add any of this, which I think is a testament that I wouldn't change a whole lot more, just kind of like add a storyline, alter one of the storylines, but in the same vein as seven. And there's a lot of this in the relationship of Joker and Batman and other Batman movies, but I wish they would have explored more the relationship of how Batman was needed for each step of the Riddler's plan. And that would have really given something Mm -hmm for the Batman to grapple with as he's trying to solve these cases is like all the hints that he's leaving. Every time he commits a murder, he leaves a letter to the Batman, which leads him down another path of hints, which leads to another murder, which leads to another interaction with Batman. There was almost no exploration of Batman, Bruce Wayne saying, I am playing a part in these murders. These are happening because my actions are leading to further reactions that right. lead to more murders. And it was awesome the way that they set that up, that he's needed for those murders, but there was no internal struggle of Batman of saying, at what point do I stop? At what point am I causing more harm? Than- right, am I complicit yeah. in yeah. this? Yeah. Oh, they could have even had that come externally to your point, Will, of like in the scene where he's in the police station and all the cops are pissed off, I, understandably, to be fair, because he's interfered with the police investigation. And like that could have been something made textual by like the police chief or whoever being like, this guy keeps getting in the way and everything keeps getting worse because of him. Like if you'd even like done that, that could have, to me, would have been the perfect point to even introduce that idea and then have Bruce and Batman like start questioning his own tactics and his involvement in it. Like that's a really great point. Or where I think this is where Alfred should have been the voice of reason. That's always mm-hmm. been his yes. job is to say, hey, Bruce, do you realize what you are doing is 
aiding the Riddler in his plans. Every time you are following these breadcrumbs he leaves you leads to another murder like how you need to do something to cut this off and then have them have right. a back and forth about that that's what i would have had i think it would have just like really juiced up this struggle of the batman right and it would have built out that relationship between mm-hmm. alfred and batman yeah, yeah that's a, a great call right out. now that's a great call and even out. if it wasn't alfred being the voice of reason it could be the batman saying hey am i does the Riddler exist because I exist, you know, to have that existential crisis, which is an in, important part of the existence of the Batman. I'm like almost every Batman iteration has that moment, I think. So it would have been nice to voice that. And then maybe this is the, you know, on the flip side, maybe Alfred says, no, the city needs you. You know, some, you know, whether he's saying, no, we don't need you, or yes, we need you, some sort of relationship there would have been really powerful. And that's, I know I said that there's a lot of times where I wish they gave us more about, like, why Batman is doing what it, it would have made it so much more satisfying when she gets that answer at the end. And, I mean, I love this. I thought the ending part was great, but when he's walking through the stadium with the flare and the people are walking behind him mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. he's helping that person he's carrying while he's covered in mud and you see in their eyes that they're so like thankful and grateful for that batman yeah. as they're getting airlifted out of there that like we got the answer we're like yes you see it there this is why he needs yeah. to be the batman this is why gotham needs him but there's just not enough of the struggle beforehand of like to earn that moment right yeah Honestly, the moment where he just like he doesn't say anything and he just like jumps um onto the wire, I swear I thought he was going to kill himself. I was like, this is a twist. I literally was like, wow, this movie has finally surprised me. He is like doing some sort of like valiant effort, like self-sacrifice. I didn't know what to what end, but I literally thought that they were going to kill the Batman. And then he like jumps in and he saves all the people. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This makes a lot more sense. Malika, I had the exact same reaction as you. Oh, God. Like, so I was don't like, am worry. I crazy? No, I just like, I. it wasn't even so much I thought he was going to kill himself. I just like, yeah. I straight up was like, where is this going? Like, I, I he doesn't honest- say anything. He yeah. just like acts without any motivation. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, that was a really interesting moment. But that brings me to like, I think what's one of the most visceral scenes in the movie, which is the darkness and the stillness of the water and then him lighting that red flare mm. and then like leading all these people in general for me what was pitch perfect in this movie was the cinematography and Mm -hmm, i know mm -hmm. we we didn't talk too much about it but like matt reeves very clearly had a vision for how he wanted this movie to look he worked with um greg frazier and i i want to say he actually maybe picked out greg frazier somebody he wanted to work with again specifically to do this movie after frazier worked on dune i think he felt a kindred spirit in like a lot of the ways in which the scope and scale of the story could be told and be visually stunning there's just so many great shots i don't even want to get into like the shot that shot this shot it's very easy to tell that every frame was like meticulously selected Mm -hmm. and there's so many moments that look like they could be straight out of a comic book and there's so many moments that look like a kind of a neo-noir movie and there's so many movies that look like a 70s detective movie like i personally just love the richness with which we saw the, the visual medium on showcase so to me that was absolutely pitch perfect if you want to watch this movie on mute don't do that because the Giacchino <laughs> score is really good Ooh. you could watch it on mute and it's a feast for the eyes of visual storytelling so I gotta shout that out pitch perfect I agree out. For you, so you love the ending I actually also really love the beginning where there's these moments where they're like they're setting up a bunch of scenes where you like don't know where the Batman's gonna emerge from the shadows. And like, I don't know, the, the hairs on my arm stood up. I just like, I was like so in it. I think from the first like setup, I was there for the ride. And I think a lot of that credit goes to cinematography because like each shot is just set up so beautifully and you're like just immersed in it. You're ready. Yep. The dramatic tension coupled with the narration at that beginning part mm-hmm. of the movie is so intriguing. And you're just like, where's, where are, where's this going? Like you're already asking yourself so many questions as the audience that it's kind of forcing you in a way to get engaged and immersed in this movie very early on. So I thought that was a really smart choice in how they started the movie. Like you don't see a lot of Batman in the beginning of the fitting shots of the movie, which is a very interesting choice. Yeah, I know you said you didn't want to go like through all the Do it shots. Well. Pick your faves. Ju- <laughs> just a couple. I mean, I said mine, so go for yeah, yours. Just a couple. Unfortunately, all of these were in the trailers, which is just like a rant. I think we all feel stop showing your best stuff in the trailers. Like I get- <laughs> cold take 
make the trailers more yes slim. okay or do what like nolan did and don't show anything yeah, like we're gonna see the movie we're gonna see it save the best shots we're gonna see but it. when he yeah. when the penguin is upside down and he's getting out of the batmobile and the score is just like punching you in the face he's like slowly walk it was like damn the choreography the fight choreography when he's in the hallway and it's dark and the only light are the gun the muzzle flashes so sick and then yeah the last one where he's leading everyone out through the waters with the flare you see the line of people behind him and it's just like magnifique yes the scene with the gun where all you can see is like the gun flaring that i remember thinking in theaters i was like wow this is amazing because it's hard to find moments where you're like there's so many action movies out there. There's so many superhero movies these days, but there were still moments in this that felt so fresh and unique. And that to me was that scene. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Malika, what's the, uh, the fun fact for the movie? Ooh, the fun fact. Well, is it really a fun fact considering how kind of angsty and grim this movie? Is it a grim fact? Perhaps? No, it's pretty fun. I, I did. I did well. I did fun. So I found this article of all the things that went wrong for Robert Pattinson when he was filming this movie. And I highly recommend it. It's on Vulture from New York Mag. And it is so funny because this poor guy could not catch a break. He broke his wrist at one point. Then he gets COVID. Then he has like issues with the microphone in his cowl. There's like constantly, it's just like a comedy of errors for this poor guy. But one of my favorite fun facts is that when he went to audition to earn the role of the Batman, he had an eight hour audition and they had him in, one article says that part of his suit was like the George Clooney Batman suit and another part of it, I think the cowl part was the Val Kilmer part. So he had two different like ill-fitting suits. He was in it for eight hours and he's sweating so profusely that apparently he got so worried. He's like, if I get this part, what am I going to do? Because I'm going to just be sweating <laughs> for like months on end. But luckily, his the suit that actually they made for him was much better. But still, I think was not quite as comfortable because you can't like move as well. You can't like communicate. People can't hear you. You can't hear them. So it's like you know, being the Batman does not sound like it. A it does it. It really does it. Um, but yeah, Christian so Bale, Batman just, said. It's a fun fact: they still have those suits, and they force people to wear them to audition. I feel like that's like a, a rite of passage. So I thought that was a fun. Christian fact. Bale, Batman said, "He's like, I would sure like to be able to back out of the driveway, like turn around, move my head." <laughs> yep. But I think even <laughs> if he yeah, was, apparently, yeah, you have to like walk backwards. You can't just turn around. So. Even if he was like really sweaty, I think it would have worked in this world. It's such like a grimy. <laughs> dirty world the whole time just like a sweaty so batman that, were, that wasn't a tear in his eye but like yes. sweat coming oh, down his forehead the sweaty batman would have worked oh man see that's another one there's gonna be so many reboots in our lifetime <laughs> the sweaty so don't batman. worry we'll save it for the next one <laughs> the Absolutely sweaty incredible. so i think it's time you guys for our favorite awards uh we've got the wink award who are wink your award. nominees wink award wink award <laughs> Wink, wink, wink. Well, I guess if we're going to go with an animal sidekick, oh. <laughs> you have to choose an animal character, and my nomination is the penguin. He was fantastic. He was amazing. Seconded. So, so good. Again, not knowing it was Colin Farrell, I was just mind blown. And But even if it wasn't him, like the, the way they developed that character it was like a perfect balance of being kind of sticky and funny and goofy but also kind of scary and you're like okay i buy that this guy is a crime boss because the penguin can't be a hundred percent serious like by the penguin's nature like the character's nature he had it has to be a little like you don't want to take him seriously yeah like there's something about him that you can't take his name is oswald cobblepot and he's nicknamed the penguin like the penguin, right? Oh, and I loved, loved, loved when they had him tied up and he's like hobbling like a penguin. I was like, if I could, you know, if if it was appropriate to put my fist in the air, I would have in the theaters. I love that moment. That's definitely going to become a well-used internet gif meme oh, in the yeah, future. Oh, yeah, 100%. I can tell. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. Colin Farrell killed it. I actually think that that character 
weirdly kind of grounded some of the criminal aspects of that movie because he's the mm-hmm. criminal that we spend the most time with. Um, like, yeah. There's Falcone and John Tortora does a great job there. But he's only in a couple of scenes. The Penguin's actually like the linchpin because he's clearly like the the mid-tier guy in the organization. So he takes a lot of crap from like Falcone and others, but then he tries to exercise his power over the people below him. So I always find that dynamic really fascinating in a film. I mean, I'm not trying to compare this at all to Goodfellas, but it kind of reminded me <laughs> of that in Goodfellas of like these guys clearly think they're the hot shit but they answer to somebody so they're constantly in that weird position of like getting shot down a peg but also trying to excise power over people they think that they're better than so I just thought that was also I want to shout out a little bit of uh, I don't know if it was an inspiration but definitely a similarity of the departed how in Mm. the end the top dog was the rat was he he snitched on himself because he just had so much power that like ended up helping him out in the long run, which I thought was a nice little connection. Crazy. Yeah. If I ever meet Matt Reeves, probably my only question for him at this time would be, why Colin Farrell? Like, yes, Colin Farrell, but, but why? why? Like, what made him look at Colin Farrell's body of work and say, you know what? Let's put this guy in a ton of prosthetics and make him the penguin. I just... It, I applaud the choice. I really do because he was fantastic. But my brain can't comprehend how he got to that moment where, like, this is the right choice. I think there's probably a couple of things. Yeah, hit it. Hit me. My thought is it really shows to me that they're choosing someone who he thinks would be excellent for the role. They will worry about looks and how they actually mm-hmm. like practical, practical effects, effects yeah, how they actually yeah. look like the character right, right. they'll figure that out later but he's choosing someone who he thinks is going to be excellent in the role but why is he excellent for the role like what what have we seen? Know, did you watch the movie Cry- daredevil uh no, i like colin farrell i'm not saying he's a bad actor i love him i think he's great but i just like i never i worked in casting for a short period of time Maybe this is my downfall, but I never would have connected him being like, he's the right actor for this role. I mean, okay. I just cannot. How many recent Colin Farrell roles have you seen? Because his body of work over the last 10 years has been kind of wild in the best way of like Mm -hmm. kind of what I was mentioning before. He's the perfect like one for them, one for me kind of guy. He does these really strange indies with like Yorgos Lathamos and like other directors that are just like really interesting completely different roles from the other but he still taps into the blockbusters like he did fantastic beast where he played mm-hmm. a version of grindelwald before right, they recast right. with johnny depp and that was a whole other can of him. so he already showed that i can play being somebody else in my body and looking like somebody else but playing a different version of the character that wasn't that surprising to me because he's done this in a big blockbuster recently yeah i think the proof is in the pudding like i don't know what they saw but it worked and they made the call, and you know what? This is why I'm not and in even, Hollywood. Even when we were saying like they, <laughs> I don't see it, but I love it. I love it. I this is why I do love movies though, because I love having my mind blown. Agreed. I love being like, oh man, that's a choice I wouldn't have made. We sit here on this podcast, and we're always like, we could have done that, we could have done that. This is one of those choices Damn, calling us out. I would not have made, and yet I am so like happy about. So I love it. This is why we do this, you know? Completely agree. But to that same token, you know, there are some choices that are made that are head scratchers, right? Oh, are you talking about our JB Smooth Award, Clasia? I am talking about our JB Smooth Award. <laughs> and who is your nomination? So our JB Smooth Award goes to, you know, obviously, who or what is the most out of place in the movie or what could be excised without losing much. And it has to be that the police chief or whatever in the very beginning of the movie when the murders start he is just coming in hot. Like he, I feel like he was like a character in like Chicago PD or like Blue Bloods. He was just like, ah, who's coming in the Batman on my crime seat? And with this crazy, like weird New York accent. And I was just like, you're in a totally different movie than everybody else thus far. Like it was almost comical. And maybe that was supposed to be a moment of comedy in the movie, but I'm kind of glad he got killed really early. Just all I have to say. I agree. And it reminds me of a character from another Robert Pattinson movie. Um, in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Cedric Diggory's dad, where oh, they're like, yes. you know what? I have three minutes of screen time in this movie. <laughs> I am going to make the most of it. Like, I am going to fucking go all the fuck out in my three minutes. And this dude fucking did it. You know, he took advantage of his three minutes. He put a character out there. I was just like, you're throwing like 100 miles an hour right now, guy, in a scene that doesn't really call for it. 
just like you could have just walk that. Why are you trying to shake exactly. this person? Like just stop. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have another nominee, Malika? Um, I totally agree with you guys. I think that's a great nominee. I mean, my hot, hot, hot take is that it's Bruce Wayne. Um, there wasn't enough of him. He was just like skulking in corners. I was like, go be part of like Mobius or something. Like, why are you here? It just, the Bruce Wayne piece of it did not work for me. And it was part of a different movie. (laughs) I can agree with that. (laughs) So we have dual winners, Bruce Wayne and... The first police commissioner whose name we do not know. He got killed in like five minutes. We're not meant to remember his name. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so shall we do our ratings? Are you guys ready? I think I am. Okay, Clacia. I would rate this movie 3.75 out of five bat knives. I really, really like this movie a lot. Like I said, I think after Dark Knight, this is the next best live action Batman movie to me. I really enjoyed a lot of the choice, like everything we've talked about, like the tone. I really enjoyed the actual storylines, even though there was a lot of it and some of it could have been better developed. I just really enjoyed that there were risks being taken. So it was fine for me that some things kind of fell a little bit short because it didn't feel Mm -hmm. samey with so many of these other um, superhero movies, which we do adore, but can feel very kind of manufactured. This felt very lovingly crafted. By Matt Reeves and the team behind this whole thing, you can tell even by the interviews with the actors. Like, perfect example, my boo, Art Pats, hates doing interviews. He has been a, it's been very clear for years that he just does, he shows up, he does them because he has to, right? It's kind of like right, the Marshawn, like the Marshawn Lynch of it all. I'm just here so I don't get fined. And <laughs> he has been having a blast promoting this movie. It's super apparent. And he's been really into this. So it's always fascinating to me seeing actors and people on the creative side and the and the cast get really engaged with the material. And I just thought that was really fascinating. Um, Yeah, really love this movie. Really looking forward to any sequels that come out later. And I feel like even over time, this movie might kind of grow in my esteem because just in the days since I've seen it, I've thought about it. And it's like, I've, I've been liking it a little bit more and more, even with all the very valid criticisms that we've lobbied towards it. So yeah, 3.75. I would have thought you would have rated it higher. Your 3.75 has also blown my mind, like Colin Farrell's casting. I agree. Movie. I would have thought you were going to go higher. I'm going to go like a 3.849. Oh, you're going, I'm going a little bit higher. All right, these ratings are blowing my mind now. eye dropper drugs what were those by the way how did those work drops Drops. and they just called drops how did did those work but anyway i mean you put some stuff in your eyeballs and then you get high what's there to figure Uh, out will not so sure about (laughs) that he's so innocent this william Um, of ours (laughs) no i thought it was good i think it's my third favorite batman behind dark knight obviously and then batman begins um that's a conversation for another time but that being said it's it was a really good movie it's a really good crime movie a serial killer movie a detective movie i don't think it was a great batman movie if that makes sense thinking of it through different lenses the it was a very compelling plot in trying to catch the riddler really great performances i just think the heart of the movie wasn't there as much as i would have liked or expected of a batman movie but i thought it was very good so there you go 3.849 i actually love the way you said that it's a very good serial killer detective movie a not as strong batman movie because if i put it at that lens i would rate it even higher like if you almost remove the batman elements it's so much stronger but it is still a really enjoyable batman movie so on that note i will give this movie 3.6 out of five murder weapon slash carpet tools the carpet tool <laughs> yeah what was that called a carpet I tucker. tucker or something tucker, yeah carpet tucker okay fine 3.6 out of that five seems like a racial slur i don't like that anymore <laughs> oh, I, I like to take that that's back. a nice insult you're such a carpet tucker I just, it's like that, what was that, the, that candy commercial was like, you lint liquor. It just kind of reminds me of that. It's like, oh, the Orbit I know, are you calling I know a cootie queen, you lint liquor. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I know this is not a real insult, but something about this is piercing and I don't appreciate it. It's the tone, it. right? You're, you're absolutely right. Oh my gosh. Any last notes before we wrap this sucker up? Uh, just, we talked about it a little bit. I really enjoy the design of Gotham um, mm. in this movie. It yes. had a certain feel to it that I felt was all its own. And what's interesting is that 
from comic books canon, there's like kind of different interpretations of Gotham. Like sometimes it's Chicago, sometimes it's New York, sometimes it's New Jersey, kind of. But what's interesting is that a lot of the movie was actually filmed in England. So it was filmed in Liverpool. Really? I think mm. I think a lot of the like downtown scenes where there's like a lot of billboards and stuff that was actually in Liverpool. So a lot of like the establishing shots and some of the the city itself and the Gothic architecture is from England. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm. I've never been to Liverpool. As a Manchester United fan, I would not probably ever want to go, but it was very beautiful to look You're at. You're probably not welcome to be male. Good. <laughs> oh, that is interesting. Well, just to people who are saying this is better than The Dark Knight, find some help. Go rewatch The Dark Knight. Just go rewatch it. Go talk it, to someone, find some help. You know, you can turn this around. There's still hope for you, but get educated. Get educated. This is like a PSA now from the 80s. What just happened? <laughs> Say no to drugs. Say no, say no to, to drugs. drugs. Say yes to yes. Batman. <laughs> say no to drops. Um, <laughs> That's the clip. Say no to drops. <laughs> say that no to drops. <laughs> say no to drops. Um, yeah, I, I also feel like, you know, we covered all the good, the bad, the ugly of the Batman. If we could just like shave off 25 minutes of this movie, tighten it up, you know, I would have given this a couple more extra points. But otherwise, good job, Robert Pattinson. You didn't screw this up. Bravo. Cut Selena Kyle. What? <laughs> Who said oh. that? The only other guy <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> and so that's it for the Cynical Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Follow us on Instagram at the Cynical Pod. And as always, follow our wonderful producer, sound engineer, best friend for life, Aaron Kelly at ak.audio. Bye. Bye. Till next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They know to drop. <laughs>